In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Hilgate The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that's end Welcome to the Saturday Night Podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog, Boss Barking People. Welcome, everyone. It's been a few weeks since we barked at y'all. We figured we'd do a little full-season recap, talk about early signing day, great day for the dogs, and just kind of, you know, talk about whatever. So, here we are. Yeah, so first off, we uh, last episode we released was our 50th episode, interview with Colt Ford, and uh, we would be remiss if we didn't say... Thank you to everybody that's listened over the last year. Uh, when Boss and I started doing this, we didn't know if it'd just be uh, the two of us talking to each other and, and nobody listening, which really wouldn't uh, change much as it pertains to the last like 20 years of our life. Right, Boss? So, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great talking dogs and kind of interacting with the fan base and um, just interacting with folks that, that love the dogs as much as we do. So thank you so much for doing that. And, Please continue to support the show, uh, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, um, like the show, rate it, uh, leave us a review, uh, follow us on all social media to catch up on when, when the next episodes are coming and, and just uh, have a little fun with us. So again, thank y'all so much and um, we're looking forward to spending some more time with you. But uh, let's start with the dog's next game since we still got a little bit of a season left. Uh, dog's going to play in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta in their own backyard against Cincinnati. Um, the group of five, I guess you can't call them a darling because if they were a darling, they probably would have been in the dance. Um, so they're, I don't guess, much of a Cinderella. They're more of Cinderella before the, the fairy godmother comes. So they're still cleaning the floors when it comes to the Power Five Conference, I reckon. But, um, yeah, anyways, so what I guess – we had been talking about this for a few weeks. That seemed like the most logical a destination and B opponent. So I'm sure you weren't real surprised by it, but what were your initial thoughts on that matchup? This is the most anticlimactic reveal of yesterday to me. Um, It just, it didn't do anything for me. The only, I mean, the biggest surprise of yesterday was still showing that, you know, we were ranked nine, obviously in the poll that, that, was the bigger bigger surprise than the destination or the opponent but it, it it's been projected for i don't know really since south carolina week i think has the, this has been the projected bowl maybe yeah i, I think that's right because i can't really remember where they were projected post florida loss maybe they were here i can't remember where i feel like it maybe wasn't a new year six bowl at that point though i, I if i remember correctly there was some talk of like outback you know, Capital One, whatever that bowl is, you know, in Orlando at that point in time. Like, I don't feel like it was like right after the Florida loss, we dropped out of the New Year's Six and then the explosion against, you know, the great passing game against Mississippi State. And then, you know, the continuation against South Carolina, like then it started more New Year's Six chatter again. So I feel like there was some drop off there after the Florida that there may not be a New Year's Six bowl for the dogs. Especially with, I think, the AP poll at that point, there hadn't been the the CFP rankings at that point, but then 
it was right after the new the first CFP rankings that there was talk of New Year's Six Bowl because we were in the we were in the top ten at that point. But the AP poll right after the Florida loss dropped us, I want to say to thirteen, if I remember correctly, which was the lowest we had been in, I wanna say since two thousand sixteen, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, and with the quarterback situation coming out of that game, thirteen was probably generous. Yeah, uh, <laughs> to be fair. This is one of those games where there's absolutely zero for Georgia to gain from a, I think, national narrative perspective, even from probably maybe even an insider fan base narrative perspective. I think the expectation is they should win. Their talent depth is so much better than Cincinnati's. And if they go out and play a solid football game, they are going to beat Cincinnati. I don't think that's, I don't think that's really a thing. I think the only thing we're waiting to see is number one, which roster do we go there with? Meaning how many guys opt out, whether that be to prep for the draft or, or whatever it may be, or transfer, uh, whatever that variety is. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, do they come out like, Georgia football when they played Texas in the Sugar Bowl, or do they come out like Georgia football when they played Baylor in the Sugar Bowl? And it's tough to gauge that, right? I do think based off how they finished the season, especially after the Florida loss, that they still have plenty to play for and they will come out motivated. I think the leadership on this team has been great. I think that's been evidenced by, I guess, how they have functioned given everything that's going on with COVID. So I expect them to come out rocking and ready to play. I know there was some talk with who's the cat that is the CEO of the uh, Peach Bowl, Gary Gary Stoken. Is that the guy's name? Yeah. Didn't he come? Didn't he come out and say that if Georgia got selected, they would have no issue with honoring Georgia's seniors either before the game or whatever it may be. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's gonna be plenty to play for. Uh, there will be fans in in the Benz. Benz is a phenomenal environment so i like all of that um and i think it's a great opportunity no different than baylor was last year for some guys who haven't maybe gotten a chance to play yet to come out and get some game reps and get some momentum going into what is hopefully a more a normal and b prosperous 2021 Well, I mean, let's not forget, I mean, Texas was a disaster, but some good things came out of that Texas game. I mean, don't forget, that was Aziz coming out party. Aziz had a great game because DeAndre Walker was hurt in that game. And I know Devad's not with the program anymore, but Devad had a great game that, that day too. I mean, those were both, you know, two games that we, two players we were not expecting to see that year due to injury. And, you know, Aziz with um, Devad's injury and then Aziz uh, with um, redshirting, and then they both blew up that game. So, yeah, Brian Herring too. Yeah, I mean, that was – and they, they both transferred over to the next season. So, I mean, this is a jumping-off point for a lot of players, a lot of young players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to get a lot of work, um, especially in the secondary. My God. I mean, it, the entire secondary has been completely revamped and, you know, probably will be revamped some more um, from the start of the season. We may not have any starters from the start of the season other than – seen playing in the sugar bowl i mean in the peach bowl is this uh this first peach bowl we played in since 06 is that right since uh tech i think virginia tech i'm pretty sure yeah 
Oh, I'm so happy you told me that because that gives me the perfect interlude to tell you this story. Do you know my our full Peach Bowl attendance story from 06 when Chris and I went, my brother and I went? Do you know this whole story? I know the game story. I don't know the, the attendance story. All right. I'm going to tell, tell you this story and, and in turn tell the listeners this story. We're having a little story time with HG. That's what we're going to have right now. <laughs> so uh, my brother was – I want to say that was my brother's senior year in college. So he was playing baseball at Charlotte. And I was in just getting done my first semester in law school in Boston. So neither one of us had been to a game that fall. And I uh, didn't think we were going to go to a game. And Christmas Day – we each got this like box, you know, like a belt box or something. And the, we open it up and it's like super light, you know, like it's not closed or anything, which you would expect in one of those type boxes. And uh, homie, it was, it was tickets to the Peach Bowl. Well, like me and Boston talked about, me and Boston, I originally from Virginia. So our parents had gotten the tickets through like some Virginia Tech boosters, I'm pretty sure. So... <laughs> We kind of we kind of knew full well going down to uh, the Georgia Dome that we were going to be sitting with tech people. So I'll get back to that part of it. Um, Other piece of the story is we were going to take my brother's car down to the game. And we always used to make well, I still do because I'm old and I avoid technology at all costs. But used to make mixed CDs like for the road trip to the game. Right. So, dude, your boy has made like four or five mixed CDs because we got to drive from Richmond to Hotland on a solid eight-hour trip. Well, homie, the, the morning we're going to leave to go down there, I think Chris's car like broke down or I, I can't remember what happened, but we couldn't take his car. So, dude, we rented a car. Well, we rented a Mini Cooper because that was the first thing that they had available. And so literally the entire time down there, we kept – just quoting Austin Powers and going, our spy car is a mini. <laughs> and so, dude, the Mini Cooper had no CD player. So all we had for the whole trip was FM radio, which was an adventure in and of itself. Well, anyway, so we get down to Atlanta. It was about negative 47 degrees in Atlanta that weekend. Uh, we about froze half to death. We tailgated in a parking deck by the Georgia Dome. Um with some Virginia Tech fans. And homie, I like, do you remember that year that was Stafford? Oh, yeah. First? It was, it was yeah. bad. Yeah. So it Stafford's first year playing. They lost oh. Kentucky, lost to Vandy. The offense they, was atrocious. Offense was not good. Joe Tereshinsky played some that year. I think Joe, I think Joe Cox played some that year. Joe really? Cox had to save us against who? Who was it? Colorado? Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Oddly enough, remember that was Florida's national championship year, Tebow's freshman year with Chris Lee, kind of taking a bunch of the most of the snaps. Yeah, they destroyed Ohio State in the national championship. Yeah. Well, dude, that's the game where Georgia goes down the cocktail party and only lost like 21-14. And I think they had five turnovers that day or something like that. So, uh, anyways, that's neither here nor there. The bigger story is that they lost to Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Although that was Kentucky with Andre Woodson, so like a little bit different Kentucky. I think than your normal Kentucky squad, but uh, either they way, could still, they can actually throw the ball. Yeah, either well, way, yeah, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia should never lose to Kentucky. But that's another conversation. So, anyways, uh, that Tech team or Vanderbilt were, or Vanderbilt that, that Tech team was like ten and two. Um, 
I defense was awesome. Defense was number one in the country. Um, Virginia Tech was, I mean, and I think Georgia's was three or four. So the expectation was it was going to be like a 13-10 affair. Uh, Sean Glennon was the quarterback for Tech. Eddie Royal was the big playmaker that yeah. they had. Um, but that was really it, right? And um, so, homie, we, we get into to the dome, and me and Chris are, like, decked out in Georgia gear, like, obnoxious. Like, so much stuff. Well, we roll up, and when I say we were in the tech section, like, we were in not just the tech section, but, like, the tech booster section. So there were about 500 tech fans wearing that nasty uh, maroon and orange and then your boy and Chris decked out in red and black, all right? And shall we say, he and I are not known to be um, mm, humble at games we attend in person, especially then when we were like 22 and 23. You know, I didn't tone it down a whole lot since I got four children now. Like, when you become a pappy you kind of got to tone your stuff down a little bit. So I feel like I'm way more mellowed out, but then we were not. So dude, what were they up? 21, three at half or something. Is that right? It was like 21, three at half. Was it? I thought it was 20 to three, but I mean, either way it was, it was bad. It was bad. And dude, they were wearing us out. Like, I mean, they, everybody was talking. We had five different rows talking to us, and from all ages. We had five-year-olds talking smack to us, and we had 67-year-olds talking smack. I mean, everybody and their mama wearing maroon and orange was talking smack to us, okay? So Chris and I are just giving it right back to them. Like, got to play four quarters. We're going to come out and, you know, stomp a mud hole in y'all's rear end and walk it dry. Like, y'all just first-half team from the sorry-ass ACC. Y'all can't play with us, all this stuff, right? And, I mean, we didn't know. We, we They could have lost by 40, but we were certainly not going to just sit there and be quiet. So, they come out. Georgia goes down kicks a field goal. So, it's like 21-6. Well, then they come out, and they do that onside kick where uh, – who was the cat that was kicking? Was it uh, Brian Mims was doing a kickoff or somebody like that? That's a name I'm about to hit you with. Was it Brian that, Mims? Is that I'm, right? I am pretty sure that is right. That is a yeah. pass from the oh, pass. Holy crap. As a, as a four-cheeker, you pull a name like that, somebody out to kiss all four of you cheeks. Um, so, anyways, dude, it was one of them one-side kick plays where he recovered it. So, he recovers it. They go downfield, score a touchdown, and it's 20 to 13. And at this point, you can just see the entire tech section, like, collectively pucker up. And at that moment, Chris and I got about 40 decibels louder. <laughs> and so pretty much the rest of the game, Georgia just – cruised is not the right word, but it, you, you just knew they were going to win. And when they took the lead, Tech fans started walking out. Chris and I stood up on top of our seats and said, boy, it got real quiet in here. <laughs> Where is everybody? <laughs> I mean, we were just waving. It was it was fantastic. By the time the game was over, we were the only two people in our entire seating section. It was one of those things, like, if, if we had iPhones then, I would have documented the whole thing just because I would have been obnoxious about it. But I have no photographic evidence of any of it, just phenomenal memories. Uh, so, yeah, that was, our, that was our Peach Bowl story. That's the last time the dogs were there. Um, we just wore out all the tech fans for the entire second half. And it was fantastic. So 
hey man, if if it is if it's that fun, come come New Year's Day, I'm here for it, brother. As you said earlier, in the, in, when you were talking before you went into your your story, which is a great story, by the way. Um, <laughs> I remember the hey, game you? story. I remember the game story. Uh, George is in a, in really you know a lose lose situation. In this if they win, it's what they were supposed to do. If they lose, then they lost to a lesser opponent. Even with the opt outs, they should they should win this game. There shouldn't be no no discussion about that. This should not be it should not be a close game. It, it really should be like Baylor last year. It really should be you know your 31-17 type game where they get a late touchdown to make it closer than it actually is. It should just not be a close game. The talent disparity is there, and everybody keeps talking about how great Cincinnati is coached, and I'm like, yeah, they are a great coach, but they don't play anybody. And also. Also, homie, what's the only thing that we can't stop on defense? The wheel route? Well, but I just mean in general, <laughs> right? Like, you have to be a prolific passing team to really cut us. So, are they going to go out and fling it for 400 yards? No, they're not. No. Like, so they will not win. Cincinnati will not win. I would, I would, I would bet if I was someone who bet money. That's what I, I would bet on Georgia winning and covering. Cause dude, what, what was the number I saw? Six and a Six half. Six and a half. Yeah. Oh, get out of here with that. No way. No way. I mean, JT Daniels and, and all the receivers are, um, they're going to fling it all over the yard. I, I think it is going to be one of these type statement games where they come out and go, all right, we're going to plant our flag in the ground for 2021. And Everybody else look at. They just don't. Everybody's been talking about like the Auburn UCF game, and dude, that UCF team—they had a good offense, like a really good offense. And then if we're not scoring, then maybe we get a little tight, and you start to make some mistakes. But that's not Cincinnati's game, like handily. Uh, and I will be surprised and disappointed if they don't. So that's kind of where I sit on. Um, all right, let me flip this a little bit because I still want to talk about the playoff before we get into some of the recruiting stuff. Uh, did you think the committee got it right with the four they selected for the playoff? No, no, no. I mean, if you're going, who would your, four, who would your four have been? If you're going by four best teams and I hate the fact they keep using, like, you got to look at how they looked on the field because that's the criteria they are using in the words they are using ohio state is not one of the four best teams in the country i'm sorry i know they went they went undefeated and they won their conference they only played six games but if you go by the way they look on the field they are not one of the four best teams and if you look at the way that if you look at the whole body of work and if you look at the whole body of work from beginning to end, Texas A&M is one of the better teams. And I'm not a Texas A&M fan, and I don't think Texas A&M has looked particularly great. You know, they looked terrible against Bandy. They needed a, you know, they, they should have beat the doors off Bandy. They didn't. They should have beat the doors off of LSU. They didn't. And, but they've looked consistent all year, and they've looked progressively better throughout the season. Ohio State looked great in the beginning and has looked progressively worse. I, I don't see how you look at that team and think they're one of the four best teams in the country. 
I just don't get it. And then you got to look at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is now the first conference championship game loser to make the make the playoffs. So everybody keeps saying that you know you're not setting precedent by this year. I'll agree you're not setting precedent with Ohio State because teams aren't going to schedule six games in a non-COVID year and make the playoffs. That's not going to happen in a non-COVID year. I get that. But you are setting a precedent by a conference championship game loser making the playoffs. Yeah, but that- yeah, but yeah, but there's a big but on that. Okay. Because I don't disagree that that now people can then say that, right? Oh, you don't have to win your conference championship to go to the playoff. But, but, capital B-U-T. Number one, Notre Dame ain't really in the SEC, okay? Number two, it's Notre Dame. So, like, I feel like if there ever was an exception to the rule, it's Notre Dame. And, 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 they, and they will hang their hat on that when they argue why you have to win your conference championship to get in. Then say that now. That's the problem. They're not saying it now. That's the issue. If, if the, the issue that I have with all of this stuff is, it's like, you know, okay, let's, let's, not, let's not talk about Notre Dame real quick. I'll come back to that. Let's talk about Cincinnati. And I, I, as much as I do not like Desmond Howard, he said it best yesterday, and Joey Galloway said this too. What does Cincinnati have to do to be one of the best, best four teams? What would they have had to do this year to be one this, of the best four teams? This, this is the fantasy that America has that I don't understand. It, they couldn't have done anything. They, they were never going to be in the conversation, ever. I agree with that. I agree with that. But the committee needs to come out and say that, though. That's the issue that that we have with this there's no transparency from the committee and when you have people when you have a group of people that have affiliations to conferences and yep. to schools yeah making these decisions that's yep. the problem when there's homie, no transparency homie i'm so glad you said that because like i feel like i'm taking crazy pills every single year when they pick these things and they go through like who the committee is and it's like oh it's such and such as athletic director. And I'm going, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like, homie, I'm an attorney, okay? The, people want to try and tell you that the judge is non-biased and the guys that wear the robes and make decisions are, are doing things by the letter of the law. First of all, I'm just here to tell you that's a bunch of bull. Like, everybody brings their own opinions and interests to the table, okay? Whether that's in a courtroom or whether that's in the CFP. You telling me these conference ADs that are there representing their conference are not stumping for the conference? Like, what's, what's the cat's name uh, that uh, looks like the guy from The Simpsons that does the selection show each week? Barda. What's his first name? His first name, Gary? Gary right. Barda? Gary, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't he look like uh, like a real tall version of the cat from The Simpsons with that hair and them jacked up teeth? Yeah, I know exactly he, you don't know. He, he, he's a funny-looking cat, man. And, well, so anyways, that's beside the point. Um, but – He's, he's a horrible mouthpiece. Like, and they do this every year. Like, they have these guys who have – who their bread is buttered, man. Like, his bread is buttered by the Big Ten and by Iowa. Like, he, those opinions are going to come first and foremost in that room. And for them to say otherwise is insulting. Like, it's just essentially them saying, well, they can't prove it otherwise, so we'll just keep saying it. But, like, I don't understand why if they just chose to do it this way. Why are the people making the selections anyone that is associated with an active school? I, that, that makes no sense. Zero sense. 
Except no, I completely agree. Except because the conferences want to have voices in the room to control the to control things. Well, they want to have voices in the room, and I mean, honestly, the only reason that you know, let's go back. To, I'll go back to the Notre Dame thing for a second. The only reason that Ohio State and Notre Dame made it this year was not based off of their body of work. It was based off of one of them was going to get in. Okay, but the reason both of them got in all comes down to one thing: the almighty dollar. What's oh, yeah. going to bring us the best ratings, the best money, biggest money? And I mean, it's the Big Ten is showing their ass so much this year. They have done nothing but show their ass from the beginning of the year, where they canceled their season. And then I'm sorry if I was every single member of the Big Ten right now, I'd be looking for another conference because every single one of them has done nothing but get screwed. By them basically being saying, we are not the Big Ten. We are the Conference of Ohio State. By saying, we're going to change our rules so Ohio State can play in the Big Ten Conference, our Big Ten Conference Championship. Oh, wait, some of these players have COVID. We're going to change our protocols from the 21 days, so 17 days, so these players can play in the playoffs. We are not the Big Ten Conference. We are the Conference of Ohio State because they are, the, they are our brand. They make us the most money. That is wow. what they are. So I, I think that's fair, but don't get it twisted. If the shoe was on the other foot and Michigan was the team that had been going to the CFP the last however many years, or oh, I completely agree. I completely it, agree. It, it, they're just they're just riding the bell cow. Like your point is absolutely correct. The Big Ten is doing whatever they have to do to stay in the game and cash that check. And what bothers me from their side is that they've come out since this all started and acted so sanctimonious, like their entire motivation and premise was to protect the kids. And it's all, it's just all a bunch of bull. Like there's just no other way to put it. Like, just come out and say it. It's about the money, baby. And these Ohio state is the horse that we're going to tie ourselves to. And they're going to take us where we need to go. I mean, that's, that's yeah, the bottom. Exactly. So yeah, I agree with that. I will say the flip side of this is, and I think a couple of the guys said it on the show yesterday, but you do feel bad for the kids at Ohio State, right? Like, they didn't do anything wrong. Like, they no. wanted to play. Justin Fields was very, very vocal about wanting to play. And so I respect the kids, and I respect what they want, and you don't want them to, quote, unquote, like, be penalized. That was the tough intellectual piece for me. I get what, like, Dabo was saying, what Brian Kelly's saying, about, hey, look, we played 10 games, we played 11 games. It's a whole different question than a team that played six. And, yeah, that's real, right? Like, those teams – Ohio State is necessarily going to be fresher than those other teams. But the uh, other side of that coin is Ohio State didn't plan that. Like, that, that wasn't what exactly. they wanted. Exactly. And this is not me being all high and mighty against Ohio State. This is my argument against the Big Ten. Oh, like no, no, my absolutely. issue is with the conference, not oh, Ohio yeah. State. No, no, absolutely. I'm just, I'm just speaking to like Davo and Brian Kelly's point. Like, I get what they're saying, and you know, uh, to me, I would have been a lot. I think more furious is the wrong word, but I would have been a lot more perturbed about it if the team on the fringe was somebody other than A and M, and you know, replace A&M with any school in the country on a given year. I just mean that if you've watched A&M a bunch this year, like, do you really think they're one of the four best teams in the country? I mean, that, that's, that's where I kept getting stuck on it is like, well, okay. If those are the five we're choosing from, 
then yeah, I, I would have taken Ohio State and Notre yeah. Dame too. Because AM, what are, are they gonna play Bama again? Like, dude, they can't score with Bama. Like, I think Florida showed Saturday night, and for the record, credit where credit's due, they played a fantastic ball game. I was front of the bus saying they were gonna get dolly whopped uh, by Bama. And dude, they they came out and did what I think you have to do to beat this Bama team. And that's just said, okay, we're gonna score as many times as y'all score. And outside of Dan Mullen screwing the pooch from a clock management perspective. And, dude, a hell of a play by – who was it? Was Michi. it Michi? Michi. Oh, it was Michi. dude, what a play, right? Play, that's play of the uh, year. I'm sorry, that's play, play of the year. Play of the year. Well, a lot of plays of the year. Homie, that spin move that Najee Harris had on the goal line. Uh, my brain has been in a pretzel since Saturday night trying to figure out how he did that. Like, that was one fluid move. I mean, that was a thing of beauty. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous play. Um but yeah, dude, Florida gave them all they wanted. And even Clemson, I don't think there's a team in the country that can score like Florida scored on Saturday night. I just don't. Um, so credit to Kyle Trask or, uh, and credit to Pitts. And um, they, they had a really good game plan. Tony had a really good ball game. Um, dude, they just they played well. And, I mean, you look at that field. Do you think Clemson can score with Bama? If they play like Florida, no. If they play like Clemson, yes. Because I don't think Bama will score that many against Clemson. Not because of Clemson's defense, but because Clemson will actually run the ball and put take some time off the clock. Florida only ran the ball seven times. You cannot – like they basically said, we're going to run a track meet with you. We're yep. going to out – their game plan was we are going to outscore the most efficient offense in college football history, not yep. the most prolific, the most efficient. That isn't, I mean, that idea that, I mean, the ego on Dan Mullen right there is just, is just ass night to me. I mean, he credit, he almost did it. He almost, almost did, did it. it, but that's just the, to go in with that mindset is just nuts. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I do agree. I think that that Clemson has the potential to control the clock a little more. And I do think what that that tape's going to show from Saturday night when Dabo and them sit down to watch it before they play Bama in the national title game. And don't get it twisted. They will be playing each other in the national title game. Um, is that I think Trevor's mobility can really be a, a table turner for them because I wouldn't I wouldn't call Trask the most mobile dude on the planet. And he did enough with his legs Saturday night to really keep that defense honest and got, you know, four or five first downs. I think he scored a touchdown on the ground. So that will be a big benefit for Clemson. And they just looked way more comfortable Saturday night than I think they've looked all year. And that's Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, I what a player. And Yeah, I mean, it's just unreal. I, I don't – and I'm – dude, I really don't – I don't think that Notre Dame team is a bad football team. I really don't. I think Ian Book is a good player. I think their defense is good. I just think they don't have the edge talent to compete with those two schools, you know? I mean, I think I, I think they probably would beat Texas A&M on a neutral field. And this season, given what I've seen from Ohio State's defense, um, I think they might beat Ohio State on a neutral field. But – no way, man. That they, 
Alabama will walk the dog on them because they're just not going to be able to stop them. I mean, they're just yeah, not. they're not. Quick, and I mean, quick, honestly, quick, quick side note: who you like for the Heisman? I'm real interested in this. If I have a vote, or who do I think is going to win? No, no. If you had a vote, who would you vote for? I, I, well, Devontae really Smith. Devontae yeah. Smith. He's the best player in college football, hands down, and he has only shown that more since Waddle got hurt, in my opinion. That's, like, so th- that's the one for me, homie. I think that that is his best argument. I mean, look, he has been otherworldly. What a year he has had. But to your point, and I think that's, that is a phenomenal point, is that in my brain, when I saw that Waddle went out, my instinct was, oh, Alabama's going to have some issues because I think Waddle kind of was the straw that stirred the drink for that offense and opened up the rest of those guys. And Devontae Smith said, uh, no, sir, <laughs> I'm a dude. And he is a dude. Like, he is just a problem. Like, I have been so, so impressed with him. And you certainly can't take anything away from Mac Jones or Cal Trask. Like, I, look, they great, great, great years. Uh, I just think Devontae Smith is the most electric player in college football. And you do not have eyeballs if you can't see that. So, if ever a – non-quarterback or running back is going to win the the award, it it has to be him this year, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he's had the best – and it's not just statistics. I mean, just the stuff he does with the ball in his hands is – it's just unreal. So, dude, the the catch he made – and this is like – I don't it doesn't really get talked about because he just does it all the time. But there was a play on maybe their first drive – where they ran a deep out, like 18 down the field, and Florida was in zone. And Jones had to put it in the air to get it between the the corner low and the safety high. And, dude, he jumped in the air and looked like he was levitating and picked that thing out the air and made it look about as routine as you can make an impossible catch like that look. And, like, dude, Danielson and Nessler didn't even really mention it. They're like, oh, Devontae Smith with the first down catch. And I'm like – Guys, that catch was incredible. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just because that's just what he does. Exactly. It's just what he does. And so the expectations, oh, yeah, he caught it. Like, dude, the one where he was double covered in the end zone and he dropped it and they go, we're, we're almost surprised that he dropped it. Dude, if he had made that play, it would have been like an impossible play. And I was the same way. Like, they said it and I was like, that it was literally the thought in my brain. Like, he just dropped – he didn't make that catch, and I'm surprised that he didn't catch that touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) We're surprised he didn't make an impossible grab. (laughs) Yes. Like, I don't know. And for me, that was kind of my brain. I was going, this kid, is he's got to be the winner. But I will say this, brother, Najee Harris did all he could do to put his name in the conversation. What a ball game he had. Woo. Yeah, I mean, it's just – I mean, and – not that Nick needs any more, you know, trumpeting about how great he is, but what a job by him to get the get some of these kids to come back for their senior year. I mean, what about yeah. Najee? I mean, just think about how much money Najee has made this year from by coming back. He was probably a third, fourth round pick this year. He's probably, you know, I mean, running. I know running backs aren't as valued as much, but he's probably a late first round, early second round pick now. So he's probably we- in that Nick Chubb range. We texted about this, and I think this is what Saban does better than anybody in the college game. And I don't want to use the word convinces because I think that's the wrong word. I, I he, think he recruits his own talent. 
Well, he does. I, I think he's very invested in them succeeding at the next level because A, it's good for the kids and B, it's good for the program. And lest we forget, I think the narrative of all narratives is at the end of the day, Nick Saban grew up, you know, in coal country and his daddy owned his own business and was a hardworking man that was a Pop Warner coach. And he he's never far from that. Right. So I think he is invested in the kids that he coaches going on and doing everything that they, that they do. But I also think he is a real good courtroom counselor and gets the jury to do what he wants the jury to do. Um, and I think that's what he does better than anybody. He, that, that's a year after year thing where he gets top talent to say, you know what, I'm going to come back for my senior year. And I think then you text me, it doesn't hurt that they're also legitimately in the national championship conversation every year. And so kids yeah. come back and go, well, not only could I maybe advance the draft stock, but we might win the national championship. So I think there's some validity to that too. Well, hey, brother, I don't mean to cut this one short, but I think we're going to have to cut this one a little short. I got kind of a time crunch. But we're going to have part two this week because I, I think we should have a full episode where we talk about recruiting and how some things set up for next year because I know you have tons to add and say on the recruiting scene. Is that fair? I do. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. Well, stay tuned for that. We will come back with another episode later in the week. And as always, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. Yeah.